This is Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future-proof against rising social risk and lead the world into the energy future. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the principal of Adamantine Energy. On today's show, I speak to Emily Reichart, CEO of Greentown Labs. If you haven't heard about Greentown Labs yet, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Greentown Labs is the largest clean tech incubator in North America. It's based outside of Boston. They've launched over 280 startups. I began to pay attention to Greentown Labs earlier this year when they announced an expansion to Houston, an expansion that will house up to 50 companies and explicitly collaborate with the oil and gas industry. My guest today, Emily Reichardt, is CEO of Greentown Labs. She really interestingly began her career as a PhD scientist who yearned for something more, a sense of community. And she became the CEO in 2013. Um, And you'll hear we talk a lot about this theme of community. She's an active member of the World Economic Forum's Futures Council on Advanced Energy Technologies. She served as a MIT Sloan Fellow in Innovation and Global Leadership. She has so many accolades, which we'll include in the show notes. One example um, that I love is from Forbes magazine, um, where she is named the woman who runs the fastest growing clean tech startup hub on the East Coast. Emily holds an MBA from MIT Sloan School of Management and a PhD in physical chemistry from the University of Wisconsin. Uh, and, but you'll hear her, her, our conversation is very down to earth. If you'd like to learn more about the Energy Thinks podcast and our work at Adamantine, please visit our website at energythinks.com. Now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Emily Reichart. Emily, welcome. Thank you for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast. I was so excited to read about Greentown Labs expansion into Houston earlier this year, where you explicitly articulated your intention to work with the oil and gas industry. It it brings together so many things I believe are critical to the oil and gas industry co-creating the decarbonized energy future with our communities, our investors, our stakeholders. So, Can you just tell our audience how you think about having your clean tech incubator collaborate with oil and gas companies? We'll just jump right in. Uh, Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, uh, first off, maybe uh, just share a little bit about Greentown Labs uh, for your uh, background there. So we were founded in 2011, really as a grassroots effort. Um, We're located in a immediate suburb of Boston called Somerville, Massachusetts. And it really started out at the very beginning, really as a shared uh, group of entrepreneurs who simply needed space to share the cost of rent. Um, They started out, um, they graduated from the universities, didn't have a place to go to continue to build their clean tech prototypes. And uh, they kind of banded together to share rent. And that was really the beginning of Greentown Labs. And today we've grown into a community of more than 100 early stage companies who are tackling challenges really across 
the very largest greenhouse gas emitting sectors. So those include electricity, buildings, transportation, agriculture, manufacturing, manufacturing. And as well, I'd say resilience uh, is another big area of interest for us. And then um, just in terms of our mission, it's really to provide these startups with the community resources and connections that their companies need to thrive. We do not take equity in our companies. We're a mission-based organization. Mm -hmm. And in Somerville, Massachusetts, um, where our headquarters is, we have a 100,000 square foot campus comprising prototyping labs, a wet lab, office and community space. And since our founding, we've supported more than 280 startups that have collectively created more than 6,500 jobs, raised more than 850 million in capital, and generated about $1.5 billion in regional economic impact. And wow. as you mentioned, we announced in June that we were going to do our first ever expansion out of state to Houston, Texas. And in terms of how we think about the partners that we wanted to bring along with us, well, it actually dates back to where we started. And, um, you know, I'm sure it seems to some listeners like there will be a contradiction in terms between my saying that we are the largest climate tech incubator in North America, but we are mm -hmm. partnering with oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. But actually, we've been collaborating with oil and gas companies practically since our founding. Shell and Chevron uh, were some of our very earliest partners dating back to 2013 and 2014, respectively. And in general, you know, we partner with large corporate entities, both in oil and gas and renewable energy sectors and other affiliated sectors, because we think that these partnerships are actually paramount to the success of the entrepreneurs that we support. And that is that they're necessary partners in order to scale the technology mm. um, for it to get to market at a scale that can have an impact on the other part of our mission, which is addressing climate change. And, you know, the way we think about this is climate change is a gigaton sized problem. And so we need partners who understand and can provide the scale needed to deploy gigaton sized solutions. Mm -hmm. And we're fortunate at Greentown to work with dozens of, of forward thinking corporations, including in the oil and gas sector, that have announced bold science-based climate goals and are actively supporting high technology startups in the energy and environmental space. And those include Chevron and Shell, as I've mentioned, also the advanced materials company DSM, Unilever, BASF, um, NL, which is an Italian utility, NG, um, a French utility, uh, Torrey Industries, uh, Japanese chemical company, National Grid um, is another uh, US and UK based utility. So a really broad set of partners, all of whom we work with very closely to help startups get their technology to scale. And that really, at the end of the day, is what we're all about, is getting those solutions out into the marketplace and enabling the solutions to have an impact at that, that level that can actually help us address our climate change challenge. That's so interesting, Emily, and so many things you said in there that I, I just want to repeat for emphasis because I didn't know that you don't take equity, that you're a mission-driven um, incubator. So that is really interesting. And of course, when one thinks about mission-driven organizations, we don't think about what you just articulated, which is scale. Um, and so I, I fully plan to steal your, <laughs> uh, quote, gigaton size problem and gigaton size solutions because addressing climate and creating a decarbonized energy future 
scale is so important. And of course, the oil and gas industry has so much potential to participate and lead. So how cool that you've been working with Shell and Chevron from the beginning. Um, you, you articulated something that I have been wondering, which is there, there are certain audience members of, on, of any political identity who would say climate-focused mission and collaboration with the oil and gas industry. It sounds like, Emily, you, you've become very comfortable with that. Was there a cultural challenge with your stakeholders, whether it's your employees or your investors? Um, did you have, have a lot of pushback about collaborating with the industry uh, and potentially about moving to Houston, which many people think of as the American heartland of oil and gas? Uh, well, I'd have to say absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I think that there is also a strong sense of, of problem solving and practicality that is a through line through our organization and how our organization thinks. And so I think when you, you step back and think about addressing this larger challenge of climate change, you have to think about what's important. And at a high level, what's important is that the biggest global emitters are engaged in addressing the problem. Who are those global emitters? Mm. Well, there's China and there's the US. And right now, the US is not driving forward on policy solutions and technology solutions stemming from those policy solutions that are really going to help us deal with this from the global perspective. And why is that? Well, you look one step back, and that is because for years now, there have been really a political divide over this topic. So the coasts and you know, states that are so-called blue states have felt very strongly that we need to do something about climate change. They're doing policy implementation that fits there. And then there's a bunch of states that aren't doing that, and they tend to reside in the middle of the country. So we are stuck as the biggest, one of the biggest global emitters not moving forward. And so it just struck me that, I mean, and, and Houston reached out to us um, through a conference I attended. I was part of a bunch of meetings, this was Sarah Week 2019, uh, to really help us think about whether or not Greentown Labs could be a good fit for Houston. And, from my East Coast perspective, my first assumption was, you know, how's this gonna work? Are there any startups there that are actually working on clean tech? Do people care right. about clean tech and climate in Houston? Right. And it turns out actually they do, <laughs> you know, first and foremost. So it was a learning on my side. And then I think a broader learning that um, happened within my team and my company and you know, the broader community and ecosystem that we are able to um, influence and share information with, you know, there are people in Houston that are every bit as passionate about the energy transition as people in Boston. They might refer to it in a different way, but that doesn't mean that they don't see the opportunity for technology and job creation and kind of setting up what's next for a whole heck of a lot of really smart people um, who are the engineers that are currently driving the oil and gas industry those folks may or may not have a place 10 years from now in the same type of industry that existed previously. I mean, with the direction that Europe is going and that other parts of the world are going, this may not be the industry for Houston of the future. And the leaders of Houston understand that. 
And so what they're trying to do is find a path forward for the city that utilizes the, that talent and those assets and that strength towards a new future, a new industry. And they felt that Greentown Labs could be very much a part of a catalyst uh, for that. So when I look at a high level and I think, what's stopping America from leading on climate? And then you look at the, the kind of talent base and assets and ideas that exist really all over the United States. It kind of makes sense that we would be going to a place like Houston where that talent is there, that interest is there, but there just isn't right now anyone who's convening people around this idea, who's bringing entrepreneurs together to take their technology that maybe they've already been working on and position it towards the energy transition or help them understand how they can be involved in the energy transition. There's already a ton of renewable energy um, expertise as well. I mean, Houston is like the, ener the renewable energy capital of at least the United States, possibly the world. No one knows that, but it's true. They've got mm -hmm. like 130 companies there. So when I think about how do we push forward on the climate front, I see engaging with a place like Houston and engaging in the middle of the country and that opportunity to influence and change the conversation, not by saying, we don't want you involved, you're doing the wrong thing, but by reaching out a hand and saying, how can we deploy what you're already doing towards addressing this problem? I think that that's exactly the right thing for Greentown Labs to be engaging in and uh, pushing forward. And in fact, when we looked at other places that we might expand, we couldn't see the same level of impact that we could potentially have expanding in Houston. So uh, long answer to your question, but uh, that's how I think about it. I love that, Emily. One of the ideas we work with at Adam and Teen Energy is both of these things are true. So two opposing ideas can be true at the same time. And so um, you, you raised so many things in that context, including Houston is the oil and gas homeland, as I said, and it's a, it has more clean energy tech companies um, perhaps than anywhere else in the country. So just extraordinary. I also love that you have come to the same place of, of oil and gas collaborating with clean tech, climate driven innovators as I have, but I've come from a totally different place which is that um, disruption is going to happen to the energy industry regardless. And whether your um, primary driver is climate or not, as you said, the energy industry is not going to look the same. Houston is not going to look the same. And so how do we um, position ourselves uh, for that changing future? And of course, I, like you, think it's planning and, and innovating and leading into the clean energy uh, future. It's so cool that you are doing this in Houston, because if our listeners ever had any doubt that we were coming to a tipping point around a public expectation for a decarbonizing energy future, I think one of the clear proof points should have been when Houston put out their, their climate action plan. For me, I thought, wow, we, we've really arrived somewhere. Um, so, so awesome. And um, let, let me pivot to, I, I wanna talk about something that's really been on my mind and in my writing for our oil and gas uh, industry leaders. And I'm curious how it affects your thinking and business. Um, racial, racial equity and justice, top of mind for all civic leaders and all business leaders. 
So creating an inclusive culture um, is so important. We know to attract and retain talent, but even as one of my earlier guests said, because it's the right thing to do, we don't really need a, a reason better than that. My understanding is that um, creating a diverse workforce and um, having an inclusive culture is as challenging in clean tech as it is in oil and gas. And I'm just curious if that's your experience and how are you thinking as a leader in this area about, about your own journey, your own growth to um, expand your experience and, and impact in this area? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, thank you for the question. And I think this is on, I mean, it's on everyone's mind every day. And it's, it's really a shame that it would take the murder of George Floyd and others uh, to bring this to our natu national attention the way that it, it should be kind of ever present as something that we need to solve. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is that it did. And what I'm really appreciative of is the number of conversations that are still going on in our industry, especially in clean tech, um, climate activism, uh, you know, folks that are in this industry are really honestly struggling with this and trying to figure it out. And so I've been part of conversations really on a national basis over the past two months to try to understand what is it that we can do. And I think the good news is that in the time of an economic recovery, there are going to be many things that we can do in a different way because we'll be looking at things from more of a fresh or a new clean slate perspective. So when you think about the opportunity of Houston, Texas, moving more towards jobs that are energy transition, renewable energy, you know, building the clean tech industry there, that's gonna employ a lot of people. And those jobs are going to be newly created. Um, they are going to redeploy a lot of people who have expertise. And that is going to be a wide variety of folks that are going to be needed on all different levels. And so I think that there's kind of an opportunity as you bring forth a new industry and you think about recovery, that um, there will be open doors in ways that, and also the opportunity to be, um, you know, really thoughtful and um, do things in a way that prevents what has happened in the past in the industry from being what we do on a going forward basis. And closer to home, I think um, for Greentown Labs and the clean tech industry in general, we are not, I mean, broadly speaking, it, we support a lot of entrepreneurs that are, um, you know, white males, and that isn't the pathway that we all want to be on going forward. The question is, how do we have a meaningful impact and take concrete steps to make a change? And so, you know, we started having conversations, but we've also engaged really our whole community of startups we have a hundred of them. So it's a good opportunity to really engage a broad group of voices in thinking about things like, how do you build teams that are more diverse? Well, it goes back to where you're hiring from. And that goes back mm -hmm. to where your network is and who is in that network. And that goes back to, you know, how can we help these startups to have a broader range of sources so that they are getting access to networks outside of their network that might've been formed at an MIT dorm room. You know, so there's 
there's kind of things that we can do to be more proactively helpful on that front. I think um, the other thing that we have been really looking at is for some, at some level, we help companies that have already raised investment from other sources because we do not fund them ourselves. Um, they really have to already have probably raised an equity investment or they've been funded by some other source. So that means that the pipeline that comes to us needs to be more diverse. So what we are trying to do is actively reach out and foster relationships with investors who are making commitments and or already investing in startups that have uh, leadership teams that are more uh, diverse in terms of including underrepresented groups. So that's a, another thing that um, I think we can do. The third thing that I'm really thinking about personally is, is our platform. How can we be lifting up voices that perhaps haven't been lifted up on a platform um, you know, related to clean tech and clean energy and, and making room in the conversation for things like environmental justice that hasn't been an area that we've really worked on in the past because we tend to look at things that are more technology oriented. And so how, how do you solve that technical problem? I don't know that I've come up with the solution yet, but even allowing room for the conversation I think is an important thing that we can be working on. So I think that the things that we can be doing right now include helping our startup teams and community be, to become more diverse. Secondly, we can be engaging investors who are prioritizing supporting women and minority founders. And thirdly, we can uh, be lifting up voices in topics and areas that we know need to reach a wider audience. And so I think that that's some of the things that you'll see Greentown doing, um, but a lot to learn here, lots of listening to do. And I'd say we are just at the beginning of our journey. I think the important thing to know and to think about is that this is not something that you address overnight. It's not a quick fix. Um, it really needs a long standing strategic plan. And, and that's what we're working on um, as a community at Greentown Labs. That's great. I really like the long-term thinking, but also the specificity of having to reach really deeply into the things we take for granted, like our networks and our, our pipelines of hiring. Um, so, so thank you for bringing that up. And, and there's such a recurring theme in this work of us as leaders having to really be accountable to grow and change with these expectations and and this heightened awareness so i really like the way you're taking this on in such a comprehensive way which is a, a good model for all of us um to, to keep building off this idea of i was imagining you know incubating not just businesses but incubating diverse workforces incubating inclusive cultures um, you talk a lot in your work about community building and community bu building so is going to sound, I think, soft to our oil and gas leadership audience. But based on what I know about you, Emily, I, ma I imagine you have um, translated this into how it, it informs a successful business, a successful energy transition, and a successful future. Can you talk a little bit about how you view community building in this, in this work that you're doing uh, with the oil and gas industry? Yes, well, we refer to our startups as a community 
of entrepreneurs who are solving the world's largest energy and environmental challenges. And that is a regular feature in the way that we talk about the work we do. And the reason for that is, is um, several fold, but I'd say the most important one to understand is that community building is really 100% essential to startup company success. And you know, I just go back to the, the pat phrase, it does take a village, honestly, to raise a startup, just like it takes a village to raise a child. Um, what, what does that mean exactly? So the way to think about this is that being an entrepreneur is not necessarily a fun thing. Um, it can be a very lonely journey. Uh, it is hard. And in this industry, it is really hard to raise funds, to get people to believe in your idea. Um, so you start out in a place where it really, really helps to have a community of peers who are also doing what you're doing and frankly, suffering through the same downs, but also having the same um, exciting next steps happening. And so having that community of peers is kind of how Greentown Labs was founded from the very beginning. Um, these folks initially, you know, were in a warehouse in East Cambridge and they would help each other in a variety of different ways. One would learn how to use the QuickBooks software and then teach the others. One would learn how to do a Department of Energy, a US Department of Energy budget for a proposal, and then that template could be used for others. They shared interns, they shared tools, but it made it easier and also uh, a more successful journey, I would say, because all of those original founders are, are now off um, building their companies in all different sorts of directions. It, help them to grow and that model of peer support has really been just a through line throughout Greentown's lifetime. And so what started with peers supporting one another as we grew into an incubator with staff, that means that we are now able to facilitate a lot of peer-to-peer -peer interaction. So for example, we have a CEO roundtable, we have a CTO roundtable, we have sessions where founders will pitch to other founders and help each other with their pitch for um, being in front of investors. And so all of those type of activities where we're interconnecting the startups with one another, help them not only build their networks, but prepare themselves and become stronger companies. And so we see that that just pays dividends over and over again. These companies um, learn from each other, they share resources, and by being part of that community, they can grow faster and they can grow stronger. And that's kind of what we all need, right? Because these companies are going to create the jobs of the future. On the broader level, though, what I started with is it takes a village. And that means that not just the peers supporting the peers, but also a very supportive ecosystem that exists of investors, corporate partners, universities, um, start other startup support organizations, professional service pro services providers, all of these together really form kind of a bigger ecosystem, I'd say, of resources that are dedicated to helping startups be successful. So we, as an incubator, convene all of those different resources. And so we make it really easy for a startup to say, oh, I need to work with a lawyer that's an expert in working with startups in the energy industry. And we're like, yeah, those people are in the network. You can just reach out to them. Here's their phone number. And by the way, they'll give you five 
$1,000 in free legal services, which isn't much, but it's a starting point to see if the, that's going to be a good partner for you. Uh, and then we have a group of investors, like hundreds of them that we work with that are part of that broader ecosystem. And they'll come in and, and help support the startups, give them mentoring and other support, even before they get to the point where it makes sense for them to invest. Uh, we work with tons of different startup support organizations because some of them come before Greentown Labs in terms of kind of getting the companies ready. And those organizations share a mission with us. And so if we're working with them from the very beginning, we can help startups even before they get to us. So there's really an ecosystem or a village of folks that is needed in order for startups to be successful. So this is a very strong, well-developed ecosystem that we work with in, in the Boston area. And this is exactly what we're looking to build in the Houston area because the makings are there. There are other organizations that are supporting startups. There are corporations, there are folks with capital, there are universities, but no one's really drawing them all together to, to be focused around supporting the startups and making sure that the resources the startups need are at their fingertips at all times. And so that's really a, an impact that we feel that we can have in Houston in driving the energy transition forward through innovative technology development, uh, bringing those folks together and they have conversations, they learn from each other. It's just a, a positive impact, not only on the entrepreneurs themselves, but on the community that supports the entrepreneurs because these folks get to know each other and they work together and they then in turn continue to build out that network. So when we think about community, that's really what we think about. And we think it's absolutely necessary for startups to succeed, but I think it's also necessary for something like the energy transition to succeed. A lot of people need to be engaged, involved, excited, and you can't do that um, on your own in a basement or in an apartment or in a garage. You gotta do it. Um, within the confines of, well, right now the virtual world, but at least um, you know, with other people and for other people in order to be successful. When we started this conversation, you described Greentown Labs as problem solving and um, practical or pragmatic. And I love the way that you describe community building really in, the, in those terms. Um, for, for my last question on the, on the topic of oil and gas in Houston, um, can you tell our audience about may, maybe a specific example of how you're working um, and any stretch goals you have for your collaboration? So if there's a CEO, CEO out there listening who may have opportunities to partner with you, they have a good picture of the kind of work you're doing and the kind of work you hope to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one great example uh, would be the work that we do running accelerator programs within our incubator. And that's a little bit complicated. So let me first define those two things. So incubator um, is what Greentown Labs is. It is a place where companies can come and work every single day and it is rolling admission. We do have a very stringent admissions process um, and they can stay you know, really as long as they need to get to their company to series A level of investment. And that typically is around two years. So that's the incubator. We also run programs, um, which we call Greentown Launch Accelerator programs that are shorter in duration. They're cohort based. 
And so these accelerator programs really enable forward-thinking corporations to mobilize the clean tech ecosystem to advance their climate and sustainability goals, build innovation strategies, and forge partnerships with startups. And so our team works closely with a corporate partner to craft a customized program really rooted in providing mentorship and coaching to startups and mutually beneficial partnerships for the corporate. And that's really the, the goal outcome of these Greentown Launch Accelerator programs is corporate partnership. So that is something that uh, going back to the beginning of the, the conversation, I said that corporate partners are very important to scale, but it's very hard for startups to be working with large corporations. And so you really do need to have the glue in this case this program is the glue that helps them build that relationship that enables the technology to get to scale. So a recent example of the Greentown launch program was our H2 hydrogen refuel accelerator, which was a collaboration opportunity that we brought together actually two corporate partners, Shell and Toyota. And we were seeking innovations for the adoption of hydrogen infrastructure and supply chain technologies through cost reduction, reliability, and new capabilities. And throughout the course of the program, we worked with seven early stage companies that were selected as the winners of the accelerator. They won cash, uh, training and membership, uh, mentorship, excuse me, free incubation, and they were able to build relationships with Shell and Toyota, um, which were really designed to identify innovative solutions and increase adoption of hydrogen infrastructure and supply chain technologies. So that is an example of a program that we've already run and we'll probably be queuing up another program in hydrogen this year, more focused on residential. But I also wanted to um, talk about our other big program we've just announced, which is our carbon to value initiative. And this was really launched uh, to drive the commercialization of carbon capture technologies. And it's a little different model because we're looking for a variety of corporate partners who are gonna be at all stages in the carbon tech value chain uh, to be able to be part of this. And so this is really a program and maybe I should define carbon tech. It's a technology that captures and converts carbon dioxide into valuable end products or services. This is really a potentially trillion dollar market and we know that we have to engage in this market because reducing greenhouse gas emissions alone is just not going to be enough in order to keep um, the average global temperature from rising in the way that we want it to on the time scale we want it to. So we are bringing together this group of, of corporate partners in this carbon to value initiative. We are going to be going out to search for startups that have the potential to transform the industry and then engaging with the corporate partners on something we're calling the Carbon Tech Leadership Council to help them get to scale and help really develop and design a whole new industry around carbon tech. So we know we need to do it for climate reasons. And we also know that there are innovative startups out there, but they need the partners to scale. And so our carbon to value initiative is getting exactly at that. So that's something that we just launched, which we're super excited about. And that will absolutely involve partners that are the ones that have the scale, which is often the oil and gas companies um, who are the incumbent players. That's amazing. I also know from my experience when I was at the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, that for startups, just figuring out how to get an audience 
with a industry partner is tremendous. And for the industry partners, they would like someone else to do the screening for them. So I love this partnering idea. And I just want to highlight for our audience that as, as we talk at Adam and Teen about creating the energy future, articulating our innovation, these are really very tangible opportunities for companies to get involved without having to invent everything uh, yourself, which a lot of our mid-size um, and private equity backed companies just aren't, aren't um, scaled to do. So very cool opportunities. Um, so Emily, I think we could talk all day, but instead I'm gonna transition into our wrap up here where uh, we get to know you a little bit. So tell us how you're faring during the pandemic and if there's anything that you have um, learned or done differently that will change the way you go, you go forward in, a, in the world. Well, um, this time has certainly been a, an adjustment for all of us. And, you know, I just am thankful that my family and friends and, and colleagues uh, that I work with, you know, now really across uh, multiple parts of the, the country and the world are uh, doing, being safe and healthy. And I think that, you know, that's kind of been the, the North Star for us throughout this is how do we keep everyone safe um, first and foremost. And of course that meant back in March immediately, everyone working from home on our team, quite an adjustment at the beginning. I was like, how in the world are we gonna keep all these people busy? Mm -hmm. But then it turns out that it, I think working from home, a learning for me is it not only is, can be surprisingly productive, but it's, it's almost like you have to be more thoughtful about turning off in, in a way that I never would have um, imagined could be the case. So I'd say if anything, um, our team has really embraced this time as an opportunity to relook at things that we have been doing for a long time and reinvent uh, and try to come up with more ways that we can be useful and valuable to our member startups. And for us, that's mean meant that we have learned to be a virtual incubator. We've put together programming offerings, I think numbering over 150 now since uh, the pandemic began. And those are anything from um, investor panels where we invite investors to help startups understand you know, what the current environment is and how they can best position themselves to be funded going forward to um, you know, how to deal with difficult conversations and physical safety um, within an office space in uh, everything in between. So we've really just doubled down on how can we be supportive of startups in this time. And there are just many, many opportunities and the team has just been so creative in trying to figure that out and then deliver on it. You know, I think that the other thing that I would say is, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, and I'll go back to you know, the, in the wake of George Floyd, I think we're all thinking about things a bit differently in terms of both our work and our life. And I think I'm thinking about how can I personally and my organization have any kind of meaningful impact on driving systemic change? What can one actually do that is concrete? And that's something that I think we will continue to think about and struggle with over the longer term. So there's a lot of listening and learning going on and uh, just really kind of looking at things very holistically. You know, there's there's kind of small ways that we, the small things we can do now, but I think there are bigger things we can do over the long term that can help uh, not only position Greentown to be a stronger organization, 
but also to help our whole industry to realize that if you are not including all of the talent in solving the problem, then you are missing out on that offering or those new ideas or that creativity that would have been part of working on addressing the, the climate challenge that we know that we need to address. So it's a work in progress, but I think that it is, this has been a time of, of really deep thinking and understanding and um, it just is continuing to be, I don't know, a, a very thoughtful time and, and a time when we can reconsider and relook at what we've done before and understand how we might do it differently um, as we recover from this pandemic and as we plan for the future. We don't have to do it the same way. We can do it in a different way and we can be more open and we can be more inclusive. And uh, that's really something that I'm excited about. And I um, you know, hope that many would join me in that and, and uh, really welcome anyone to be part of that conversation and my personal growth and learning. I think that's a great place to leave it. It hits on all the themes of disruption, of personal transformation to rise to the opportunities of this moment, both to address the energy transition, to address racial equity and justice, uh, and to challenge ourselves to be accountable and to grow. So Emily, I just don't think you could have stopped at a better place. So thank you much, so much for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast. Well, Tisha, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much to Emily Reichart for taking time to share her insights with us. I would like to know what you think about what you've heard here. So please visit our podcast website at energythinks.com podcast and let me know. You can subscribe to Energy Thinks on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment right now and give us a rating. Thanks for listening to Energy Thinks. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler, wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.